Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our sermon text for our meditation this morning is our gospel lesson recorded for us in the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter beginning at the first verse. I invite you to please rise for the life of our Lord. Jesus spoke to them again in parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who prepared a wedding banquet for his sons. He sent out his servants to summon those who were invited to the wedding banquet, but they did not want to come. Then he sent out other servants and said, Tell those who are invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But those who were invited paid no attention and went off, one to his own farm, another to his business. The rest seized the king's servants, mistreated them, and killed them. As a result, the king was very angry. He sent his army and killed those murderers and burned their town. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. So go to the main road, crossroads and invite as many as you find to the wedding banquet. Those servants went out to the roads and gathered together everyone they found, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without wearing wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the servants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Lord, these are your words and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Dear fellow redeemed, you walk out to your mailbox, you pull down the small door and you peer inside and you see a peculiar letter and you pull it out. It's heavy. It's on thick paper, maybe almost cloth-like paper, and you read the front and you see your name spelled out in calligraphy and you know exactly what it is. It's a wedding invite to your sibling's wedding. The day is, is getting close, and you're so excited. Because not only is your family member getting married, and you think of that wonderful celebration, you also know it's going to be a destination wedding down in Florida. You think about the incredible trip and all of the fun that you're going to have. In our lesson for today, we hear about a wedding invitation, not to a family member's wedding, but to a wedding for a king's son, a, a prince's, a prince's wedding. Imagine if, if you got such an invitation. Wouldn't that be exciting to, to go to the wedding of royalty and it's at the palace? You'd certainly be intrigued to find out what that wedding is going to be like and you'd, you'd want to go. God in his word for us today tells us that we've received a, a far greater invitation than any of those. We've received an invitation to the wedding banquet of heaven. Wedding banquet, as we'll see today, is really one that is the party of all eternity. And also, we see the importance of being properly prepared for it. In the first part of our lesson, as Jesus shares this parable, we really see a picture of God's interaction with his people, Israel, over the course of many centuries. Think about how God sent that invitation for his people to be part of his spiritual heavenly kingdom. And yet what so often happened 
the people rejected that invitation. They instead followed after other gods. They were busied with other things, and yet God was patient and God was persistent. We think about the king in our lesson for today describing what the banquet is going to be like. Come, join me for this wedding banquet, yet still they persist. Many, because of indifference, reject that invitation. There's others that get hostile and actually mistreat the servants and, and put them to death. What's the result? The king himself eventually grows furious, and he brings his destruction upon those people, both in time and for eternity. We, of course, see a, a picture of what God did as a result of the rejection of his messenger set out, sent out over the course of time. So many messengers sent to call his people to repentance, but many spurned them. Some even grew hostile and would put some of those messengers to death. And we, of course, think about that great prophet like Moses who is sent, Jesus himself, the king's son, that they even crucified. And we think of God's destruction that he brought upon the Jewish people, the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, but also the eternal destruction that's saved for all who reject that invitation. So what can we learn from this today? You know, we certainly think of ourselves and we say, well, I haven't tortured or killed any prophets or messengers of, of God? It, it, do I really have blood on my hands for even the death of, of Christ himself? I, I didn't do that, did I? I think especially for us today, we should think about those that rejected that invitation because of indifference. Don't we see ourselves in them? We might wonder, though, why in the world would anybody reject such an amazing invite? Well, the adults here today, have you ever uh, rejected a, a wedding invitation? Have you, have you ever responded that you're not coming, right? Respectfully decline is usually the way that it's worded. I'm guessing many of the adults here today, they, they probably have done that. And why? Uh, well, it's probably because that we received a wedding invitation to someone that we didn't really know so well. Maybe it was a distant relative, or maybe the wedding was in, in a great distance away, like in California or something like that. Maybe because of a combination of things, we thought to ourselves, well, is it really worth it? Is it really worth all the time and all the effort and all of the expense to go? After all, I don't really know this person all that well. I'll just check the box, regretfully decline. Is it so strange that someone might do that when it comes to the invitation to the wedding banquet of heaven, regretfully decline? After all, we can think about the great time and effort and expense that, that has to go in to going to that, that wedding banquet. Think about the, the time spent Focusing on God and His Word. The effort put in to desiring to, to know that Word better and, and to apply it to our lives. We think of the expense giving to the Lord's work. We think, well, I'm busy, God. I have my work to attend to. I have my family. There's other things that occupy my time, life. 
is it really worth it to put in the time, effort, and even financial resources for these things? Now, a couple of years ago, my wife and I received an invitation to a wedding for a, a friend of mine from high school. We haven't, hadn't kept in the best touch over the, the course of the years, and the wedding was going to be held in New York City. And we really wondered, was it worth it? After all, we began adding up how much it would cost for us to get there, and it seemed like it would be well over $1,000 between the plane tickets and the car rental and the hotel and so forth. But we decided to go. How could I miss this? My friend who had been looking for the love of his life for over a decade finally found her. Was getting married. Wanted to celebrate. Not only this, it was a New York City wedding. It had to be big, right? And so we went. And we weren't disappointed. I think about when we entered into that area where they had the ceremony and so forth with the vaulted ceilings. It was immaculate and beautiful. Later on after that ceremony as they led us out into the area where we were to gather for kind of a happy hour before the banquet. And even there it was overlooking this gorgeous golf course and it was in this setting where there was all of these tables set up with cuisine from all different parts of the country and chefs were serving their hors d'oeuvres on their platters there. They even had a table set aside for Minnesotan cuisine with tater tot hot dish and meat imported from Schmidt's Meat in Nicollet, Minnesota. They spared no expense. Then we opened up, the doors were open to the banquet hall. And it was beautifully decorated in there. And as we sat down, they kept serving us course after course after course. And we were so full of food and our, our glasses were never empty. And the music was excellent. Uh, a band from New York City with like 10 members and they were able to play any song off the radio from any genre. We had the time of our lives at that wedding. Well, the wedding that God describes really in our lesson for today and especially in our first lesson for today is far greater than even that, isn't it? It's not just the wedding of a decade or the wedding of a century or the wedding of a millennium. It's the wedding of eternity, isn't it? And how does he describe it in that book of Isaiah chapter 25? He describes what it's going to be like there. It's going to be a banquet with rich food, aged wines, the best cuts of meat, finest of wines as well. And what else does he say? And he will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe away tears from every face. Not only is it going to be a celebration with the best of foods forever, it's also going to be a celebration without sorrow and without death forever. Imagine that. Far greater than, than any celebration and party here on this earth. And it goes on, but also this, he will take away the shame of his people. Imagine that, what God does. He takes away our shame and our guilt, the things that have plagued us for decades, maybe things that we have done wrong so far in the past. It's all removed. It's all covered. It's all covered as we are there at the banquet, clothed in Christ's holiness and righteousness. And the people then will say, we waited for him and he saved us. And so God would ultimately have us not take our eyes off this prize, but realize the invitation there is for us and for all. And to know that we have a place at the table because 
of Christ and what He has done for us who covers us with His holiness and righteousness by faith. So what did the Master do after He dealt with those who showed Him disrespect? Well, He sent out His servants again, now a third time, right? And those servants were to go to the crossroads and they were to find anyone they could, whether good or bad. What did the king want? The king didn't want his feast to go to waste. He wanted to make sure that it was enjoyed. He wanted to make sure that there were people there to celebrate the wedding of his son. And so he gathered them all in, whether good or bad. And this really is just from an outward standpoint. He gathers in those that appear good or appear bad from the world's perspective, the world's point of view. All are invited to come, both those like Joseph of Arimathea and also those like the thief on the cross, welcomed and invited to come into that banquet hall. And imagine the look on the king's face when he saw it full. It must have been filled with joy that all of that effort that he had put into it, it, it now was coming to fruition and, and so many people were enjoying the celebration that he had made for them, celebrating the marriage of his son but then this, there's one who's found without wedding garments. And so the king confronts him. Friend, how did you get in here without wearing wedding clothes? And our text goes on, the man was speechless. Then the king told the servants, tie him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We might think to ourselves, how could the king be so harsh? Probably just a poor man that didn't have proper clothing, right? Well, it's important for us to understand that during wedding celebrations back in those days, especially wedding celebrations for those held by a king or someone with uh, a lot of wealth at, at their disposal, not only would they provide for the food and drink of the guests for days as they'd come and celebrate, they would often give them even the garments to wear for the wedding. And that's the picture that we see here, too. That's why the king's so upset. It's not because someone came in, impoverished and he didn't have the money and resources to pay for proper clothing. It's because he rejected the clothing that the king himself had given. Because he spurned that garment and refused to wear it. So what then is that garment? Well, St. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Indeed, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. And in Isaiah 61, it says, My soul will celebrate because of my God, for he has clothed me in garments of salvation. With a robe of righteousness, he has covered me. You see, what the man lacked was being covered with that white robe of righteousness that is ours only by faith in Christ. It's clear that this man did not have faith in his Savior, and so he was thrown out to the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so here, too, we see a lesson for ourselves. We think about how God has invited everyone to come to his banquet. But the only way that we can be there and stand at that banquet is covered in the white robe of Christ's righteousness, all that Christ has done for us, and that is ours only by faith in Him. 
Jesus concludes by saying this, For many are called, but few are chosen. We certainly see the truth of this statement, that the invitation seemed to go out to everyone, right? But not everyone came to the banquet. Not everyone was clothed with proper wedding garments as well. And while we might be tempted to wonder why some and not others, it's especially important for us to consider our own situation. That the invitation has been given to you. That God invites you as he invites all to come to his wedding banquet. And we can go and we can be there covered in Christ's robes of righteousness. According to an old tradition, a bride is supposed to wear white on her wedding day as a symbol of her purity. Definitely in decades and years gone by, it was thought that if a bride, as she was preparing for a wedding, if she was divorced or if that bride was pregnant, she, she shouldn't really be wearing white on her wedding day because she obviously was not pure any longer. You know, none of us deserve to wear white at the wedding banquet, the wedding feast that God has prepared of heaven. Think of what Isaiah says, all of us have become like something unclean. All our righteous acts are like a filthy cloth. What has God done for us? As As it says in the Holy Scriptures, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her clean by cleansing her with the washing of water in connection with the word. He did this so that he could present her to himself as a glorious church, having no stain or wrinkle or any such thing, but so that she would be holy and blameless. That's you. That's all of us. We have been washed. We have been made clean through the waters of baptism. And God has given us the gift of faith to trust in Jesus, our Savior, by which we are covered in his holiness and his righteousness. And so we consider that invitation. It's been given for all. As the scripture testifies, God, our Savior, wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus himself said, come all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus again goes on, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The invitation is for all, the invitation is for you. But he also says that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The reason we can be there at the banquet is only through faith in Christ, who clothes us with his righteousness And this too we have, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Indeed, as many as you were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So what a reason for us to rejoice. To not wonder, am I going to be there or not? Maybe I won't be numbered among those that enjoy that wedding feast of heaven forever. No, the invitation is for you because the invitation is for all. And God has made you acceptable in his sight. He has prepared you by washing away your sins in baptism and giving you the gift of faith through his son, Jesus Christ, who clothes you with proper wedding garments, his robe of righteousness. Rejoice as you look forward to that great wedding feast forever. Amen. Invite the congregation to please rise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.